Laura Mazzullo, owner of yeah. Eastside Staffing, an experienced HR professional for about 17 plus years focusing on HR. And for today, Laura is going to give her insights, what she's seeing in the market, what's happening, and answer any questions people have. So Laura, I'm going to just hand it off to you. And maybe you could share a little bit about yourself, your business, and what you see going on in the market. Thank you. I love this. Thanks for having me, Jack. And for those in our LinkedIn and Twitter community, you know, Jack and I are always talking shop on these platforms about what we're seeing. So we're so excited to have this time together today. Um, quick summary, I've been recruiting for 20 years. I've had my own business for 10. I focus solely on the placement of HR professionals, which includes talent, people, people in culture, all the various titles within that space. And the last few years have offered also a consulting and coaching component, um, because as Jack and I are going to talk about today, I think we really want to dig into this. So many companies want to learn how to hire better. And I have found the solution isn't always just straight search. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's a matter of helping figure out what internally needs to be tweaked. Do the TA pros need coaching? Does, do the hiring managers need training? Do the interviewers need training? Like what's kind of the hot buttons that need to be improved upon? Because what we're noticing in this market is that hiring is pretty flawed. And we're spending a lot of time, both of us enjoy helping candidates improve, but I worry that some are feeling like, ugh, is it me or is it the hiring manager and the interviewer. And, and I think, frankly, there's a lot going on on that side that we should talk about. You know, from my perspective as a recruiter, I, I see a big difference now compared to, let's say, 20 years ago. You know, back then, I noticed that the people who are internal talent acquisition recruiters, they had 5, 10, 20 years of experience in their space. They knew it well. And they were very upfront so that they would say, hey, Jack, here's feedback to give to your candidate. And then I can give it to the candidate. The candidate could do better. They'll offer constructive criticism. Fast forward to today, what I see, and this is just from my perspective, I could be wrong, you know, I could be out of my mind. And it's, it seems so different now. It seems that the average age of somebody in talent acquisition or recruiting is like 12 years old. And they really don't have a lot of experience, and it seems companies hire them because they can get them cheaper than somebody who has 10, 15, 20 years. And so you have somebody who's junior, and there's nothing wrong with being junior. You have brilliant people who are like Gen, you know, Gen Zs. My kids are Gen Zs, sure. you know. So, but it's just you don't have the experience. So then they're really not sure what they're doing, right. and and there's not a lot of training. There's not a lot of oversight. So I think we get this kind of mess where when people are looking for a job and they don't get it, they figure what's wrong with me, but it's not really what's wrong with them is the system is just all whacked out. Am I, am I crazy or is that? No, you're you completely that? correct. I keep, I'm picturing a circle as you're talking and I'm picturing <laughs> like the executive thinks yeah. he's saving money by hiring an inexpensive quote, junior recruiter. Right. That recruiter's in over their head with no training development, have no idea why they're struggling. Then they work with us on the outside and we're not getting what we need from them. So then the candidates suffer because they're feeling like, wow, this yeah. whole employer brand is off. This company is not a place I want to go. And then the executive says, why is it so hard to hire here? It's like, well, your system is <laughs> right? And so, you know, I often remind people there aren't like good and bad 
recruiters. It's not that black and white or binary. There are there are recruiters who, to your point, are talented and, and intelligent and savvy, but lacking training and development and lacking the skills to, you know, to be a great recruiter. You push back on your hiring managers, you educate them, you guide them. And to your point, you need the, to learn how to do that. You don't just one day know how to tell a CFO their expectations are unrealistic. That comes with time and proper coaching. So I often think of it like a sport. If you're learning how to play golf or if you're learning how to play an instrument like the cello, you don't just pick it up and you're amazing at it. You need someone to help you figure out where you can improve. And no matter how talented you get at said skill, you still need that. So we've just kind of abandoned recruiting in general and been like, well, they're inexperienced and they'll figure it out or they're very experienced and therefore know everything. And neither of those is really the right move. Like, Everybody needs to improve. And I agree. It's such a recipe for disaster because if you put somebody, a young person out there, it doesn't have to be a young person. Let's say it's an older person but who doesn't understand the, the niche that they're in. They don't understand the products. They don't understand the culture. How can they do a good job? It doesn't, it's just not going to work. Right. It's, it's just going to fall apart. And that's kind of what's happening. And it's yeah. bizarre that yeah. leadership doesn't step in and say, wait a minute. Very like everyone's complaining, everyone's unhappy. Maybe we should actually do something about it, but it doesn't happen. I know. Well, you and I were talking earlier today about technology and how artificial intelligence will change things and new, obviously always new technology evolving. And I think like we're kind of, you go to any HRTA tech conference or conference and they're talking about all these cool, exciting things that are going on, but we're actually like missing the basics that the recruiters are struggling, whether they're inexperienced or not. I think even people with our experience who are in-house feel like, God, I'd love to improve. I'd love to like know exactly what I'm doing with technology, how I could be using data better. What are external headhunters doing that I don't know? How could I be using social media? How could I be leveraging YouTube? Like they don't know. And instead of us investing in them and executives looking at that, they just are spending money on a million other things that are kind of like unrelated to the core fact that to hire well, you need people internally who know how. It, it makes sounds a lot of basic, sense. but it's it like does. really not happening. All right, don't mock me on this. Don't laugh at me and call me a boomer because I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen X, but don't, don't, don't think I'm Mr. Old Guy here. But I think the lack of people picking up a phone and making a phone call has made a huge difference in a bad way for recruiting. Yeah. Because once again, in the past, you know, let's say you were an HR person or talent acquisition, you'd pick up the phone, call me, a recruiter, and say, Jack, you idiot, like, why are you finding this right person? Here's what you need to look for. What's wrong with you? We've talked about this. And like, oh man, I'm sorry. Okay, here, let's, let's figure it out. And we have a conversation and then we retool it and we're on the same wavelength. Could you do it with emails? Yes. Can you do it with text? Yeah. But it's not the same, right? It's not the right. same. It's a partnership. If, right? Where you don't have those phone calls. You don't have that conversation back and forth. And I think what I've noticed with the younger generations, they're, you know, they didn't grow up making phone calls. So like to them, they're really freaked out. They're uncomfortable. So they don't pick up a phone call to speak to a candidate and say, right. hey, candidate, here's what you should do. And I yeah. think that simple thing it causes so much problems because they don't do it. And one, yeah. one quick call, like let's say 
you're an internal, you know, HR recruiter, and you just call up the candidate and say, hey, I've heard some good things about you, what you're doing, but here's some other things I heard. Maybe you could change this. Maybe you could work on this. That could be the whole difference between them getting an offer or not. Right, right. It's a great point. I mean, how many candidates do you and I hear from who are disgruntled with the system of interviewing and they're disenchanted with hiring processes and really their frustration is they don't feel like they're getting support or empathy and you can't really give proper support and empathy through technology all the time. Right. Like, to your point, having somebody on the phone listening to you, taking 30 minutes with you and um, you know, I remind a lot of executives of this. Like if you have a candidate let me back it up. Let's say you have an internal recruiter working mm. on five requisitions, only five, which we know never happens. They have 20 or 30, but let's say they only had five and there are five candidates in play for each job. And that's now 25 candidates who want, to your point, like they want coaching, right. they want prep, they want feedback, they want a debrief, they want to talk about their anxiety, they want to talk about their fear, they want to talk about their excitement. That recruiter needs to make time for 25 calls a week, and they're not because they have 20 recs, so now they're at 100 candidates, and they can't do it. And we wonder, like, why candidates are frustrated. It's, to your point, it's back to basics. It, all of it being automated isn't going to actually solve the experience. It's the human that people are looking for. So what do you think, given, given that we laid out some of the challenges that are going on in the space? What do you think job seekers could do to know that this is happening? So first of all, it's not their fault. It's just the systemic problem. But then how do you think they could advocate for themselves in, in, in face of all the obstacles to try to move forward? I mean, I think what you said is actually the massive takeaway is that it's not their fault. I feel like every call I have, and I'm sure you can attest to this, candidates feel like they're doing something wrong. And they're therefore spending lots of money on career coaches and resume writers and interview prep and all those things, you know, we offer and, and we're good at coaching people through that. But I, I worry that they're feeling like it's their fault that they're struggling to get a job or that it's their fault that they made it to final rounds and didn't get the offer or that their experience was poor. I think you've hit the nail on the head if they can remember that it's probably not personal and it's probably not at all something they can fix or tweak or improve upon that actually the other party probably has a lot they can tweak, fix, or improve upon. I think that'll take the edge off them from feeling like they keep having to do something. It's the other side that actually should be doing a little bit more. What do you think that is too, where it's so obvious people aren't happy with the way things are? Like how can I, I truly don't understand why executive yeah. leadership wouldn't listen or try to find out and fix things. You know what? Let's reflect on that because you're making a good point that like when, when you and I started in recruiting 20 years for me, 20 plus for you, like it felt a little better. I I feel to your point, like I would have CEOs or CFOs excited to partner with external search firms and excited to have their internal recruiters get better and hire only the best. and. I don't, it seems like we should have been always going on an upswing with that. And I feel like to your point, we're kind of at this low of just like recruiters have been laid off and internal recruiting teams aren't trained and everything's about cost cutting and it's not about partnership. And yet we're talking about strategic partnership. Everyone's saying they want that. Where did it go wrong? You know, I, I don't. Eight? 
2020? I would say, I would say when more technology was put in within the whole HR system, yeah. because to me, well, obviously, you know, technology is great. It's helpful. It does a lot of great things, but just like social media, it's a lot of bad things. And I think by putting between human beings, certain technologies, it just, just, it, 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 this is one of the areas you don't want to have that happen. You want, you don't want to have that friction. You want to have that conversation between an HR person and a candidate. You want to have the conversation between an internal HR recruiter and the hiring manager and be yeah. able to have those conversations and have the hiring managers engaged with it. So they know what's going on and they can give their feedback and any, any piece of technology, I think just stands in the way of having the two humans communicate and get on yeah. the, you know, and understand each other. Wow. I'm like really thinking about that. I've never thought of it this way, but at the end of the day, hiring is about two humans communicating yeah. with each other. Well said. And I think we have lost that. You're absolutely right. Because when I think about the frustrations I'm hearing from internal, uh, we'll get to this, but like HR business partners about their TA and, and you had asked me about that, which we can talk about. Like a lot of it's because of technical stuff, like your, to your point, like well, who should be submitting the job requisition and, and who's getting approval from finance and what part of the system do we put that in and, and, and who's doing the offer letter and who's sending out. And like, again, that needs to be done, of course, especially in a larger company, you have to have some systems in play, but it's like, we're so stuck on the administrative systems that we've actually lost to your point, the relationship. Yeah. Piece. The human touch. Yeah. Which, which this human resource, like the whole thing is about that. I know, right? getting I know. to know somebody, getting to know their Where personality, getting to feel for them and mm -hmm. vice versa. And then they feel for who's my manager. Do I feel comfortable with her, you know, or not? Do I feel comfortable with the people I've interviewed with? And now also think about it. Most interviews now is no more in person. Right. Think about the benefits when you went into an office, right? Even from going to looking to the building and saying, wow, this building looks awesome. This looks so cool. And then, you know, the security guard or the people who, you know, look at your idea are very positive and polite. Go, oh, that's a nice experience. And then you go up into the floor and the people there are super sweet and nice. And you look around and the people walking and they look happy. Like, oh, you get all these cues. But when it's just a, a Zoom call. You lose all that. You I don't know. have that feel about the organization. I know. It's such a good point. These have been really big changes in how we are doing recruiting. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you've also kind of, I'm, I'm sort of sitting with the question you asked me of like, what yeah. can candidates do to advocate for themselves? And I, I think this is a bold answer, but I'm going to say it because I'm thinking if I was a candidate in today's market, especially like as a recruiter interviewing, like if I was interviewing for recruiting roles and had a bad experience with a company feeling like, wow, these were 40 things they could fix. You know, that's feedback you could give mm -hmm. a hiring person. So like, it's hard to do because obviously you have to be very brave and bold to do it. But I could see certainly our personalities and certain personalities could do it to send a really nice email, especially if you've been rejected, you're not moving forward. If you are moving forward, of course, these are things you can fix when you join. But if you're not moving forward, you could certainly say like, if you're open to feedback from the process from my lens, I'd be happy to share it. I know a lot of companies are looking to improve how they hire. Happy to point out a couple of things you did really well and a few things I thought could be improved upon. 
I think a really great internal recruiter would welcome that feedback. Some may not, but it's an opportunity to at least share like, hey, you know, I'm a recruiter myself and these mm -hmm. are some things I'm noticing that might be why you're struggling. The more we educate and even candidates can, I think the more executives might wake up and say, wow, I didn't know we were doing that wrong. A hundred percent. And and also it helps the, the brand for the company when you do that, because then, you know, it's just a better experience. And that person who has a better experience could tell their friends, hey, you should go interview with, you know, ABC widget company. They're awesome. They're nice. Even if they did get the job offer, they'll still that experience they went through was very positive. So they're going to, you know, tell others, hey, you should do there. But on the other hand, if it's a bad experience, they can say, don't even go there. Don't bother. They're jerks. Right. <laughs> they're horrible. Some companies are sending out surveys now, which I think is really cool yeah. to say, like, what do you think of our candidate experience? So the other thing a candidate could do is say, hey, do you have a survey at the end about candidate experience? I'm happy to fill that out. It's kind of putting the onus back on the employer, like, oh, that crap, would I guess be we good. should have that. Yeah, that would be really good because then it's, a, you know, it's, it's written down as black and white and yeah. here's what it is. And they can't ignore it that, all right, yeah. hey, we have a problem. We have to take care of it. And some candidates have asked me, should I answer those? Should I be honest? I'm like, of course, yeah. it does not hurt your brand at all, personally, to acknowledge things they could improve upon. If anything, it shows you're strategic and thoughtful and introspective. And I think it's great. The more we educate everybody where you can, the better. Now, what about this? What do you think of this? As uh, I, I'll tell people, and this is kind of, it's, it's tough for a lot of people because they have to be a little bold to try to find somebody who works at the company you're interested in. And if you know somebody personally or you know, six degrees of separation, you know someone who knows someone who knows someone, to really have them advocate for you, for you, to make sure you get the resume in front, to give a recommendation. So this way you could stand out and get noticed. What would you say that's it's maybe one school, thing? It's an yep. old school tactic, but it works beautifully. I mean, who yeah. do we know who hasn't had a good experience with that. Yeah. I can meet hundred personal friends. And of course, I think it's so smart. If, you know, this is the beauty of networking and the beauty of learning about community is right. like people want to help each other. So you're kind of, you know, I always think about that. Like when people are like, oh, I don't know if I should do that. I'm like, would you do it for somebody else? Like, would you be happy to run into your CFO's office with a resume and say, hey, I know you're interviewing a bunch of people. This is somebody I know. Like, it's, and if you would do it for them, let them do it for you. Like, don't deny them that joy they might get from being a participant. Look, I'm still all for a fair and equitable process. I don't think we should just hire referrals because we like the guy, but it doesn't hurt. If you have everything that the client's looking for and you are a good match, that's only an additional bonus that's going to get you in. Yeah, it's kind of cutting cutting in line a little bit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Let's be honest. Exactly, you know? the power of community. I think, unfortunately, the TA and HR space, to your point, twenty years ago, was better at networking. Mm -hmm. Like I used to just want to do like you know, let's have a quick call, catch up, like we do. Let's talk about the market. People would always take those calls with me, and now it's like I have no time, too busy, can't do it email, email, email to your point. It's like, well, you're missing like the learning of yeah. having a community. Yeah, that's a really good book because I'm looking back. I would go out for, you know, drinks after work or what, you know, different kind of or events with the internal recruiters I work with. And, and it wasn't any funny stuff like, oh, here, I'll give you something to hire right. people. No. But no, it was more of like, 
hey, let's know each other really well so we trust each other, you know? So this way they know, all right, if Jack is sending a candidate over, I know he's not going to try to shove that person down my throat, uh, even though they're not good, because now you have a relationship that transcends, you know, right. recruiter, internal, HR, whoever it would be, because you know each other and you have a really good connection. And then it makes it so much easier to make these things work out. So that's where the dissolution has come. And I'm going to reflect and I want you to also on why, but like, you've got me thinking about the word blaming. So like, I feel like now when an executive calls us for a search, it's mm -hmm. usually first with blaming their internal recruiter. So it'll be like, I'm sure you get this, like, Laura, yeah. we need a new VP of HR and our internal recruiter, Bob is doing a terrible job. So I need you like, let's blame Bob. Right. And I think, I think 10 plus years ago, it was Bob struggling and can you partner with him? And can you two as a team get this yeah. done? Like, so instead of just like kind of knocking someone out, like we all win, we, we actually got there faster, as you're saying by that, with that partnership. And then maybe we taught Bob a couple things along the way. So he was like, great, next time I may not need you. And we're like, no problem. Cause there's plenty of business. And like, I'd love for you to feel like you can do this without me. Go, go, go. Like it was all kind of, um, positive and not based in blaming. It was based in like, like partnership. So something shifted where now it's like, external against internal or the executive like kind of annoyed with internal TA and it's negative that's what I'm not loving it's, it's you know it, for, for the you know for the audience watching now and when you watch it and repeat uh it's a little inside baseball because there's this as you know Laura is saying there's this like in conflict where somebody who's a recruiter internal recruiter at a company you know they want to be the one to place people because it makes them look good. It's positive. That's how they could advance. But at times, for whatever reason, they can't find that right person. They have to go out to a recruiter or recruiting firm like me. Then you get, the, I got to tell you, okay, you want it from my side? This is what happens, Laura. You know, like from my side, like, of course. And you probably see this. It's like this weird feeling because you could tell, oh my God, sometimes it's so uncomfortable. Because yeah, they're annoyed to have to call you. They're so annoyed. They're so like you can see we were in a Zoom call again. We're not in person, so you see a Zoom call and you can see their facial expression. They're so angry that they're you know using me and my company to help recruit because like we could do it. Why are you going out to him? And it's so tense. It's so. But I don't remember. No, I get it too because think yeah. about it. I'm external for. It's like I got the triple whammy of. <laughs> The internal recruiter is having trouble filling a role on their team or for their HR leader. Right. It's like they should be able to do it for their own. But that's old school thinking too, because it's like, of course, we all need help and we all should receive help. And they're and you're not a failure. But yeah, that's the part that I I don't remember it as much back in the day. I think it's that yeah. part has gotten worse. It is. It's it's it could be too, because like I'll see resumes from you know HR people and say, I saved the company X amount of dollars by cutting out recruiters. So you know they they use that as not everybody, but like I see it enough that they're using that as a way to say, look how great I am. I didn't need those jerky recruiters as opposed to saying maybe hey, once in a while, 
You know, it's like, for instance, because our, our, we do such a niche thing as compliance and risk and audit and AML on Wall Street. It's so niche. So a lot of times they will come out to us because like a lot of people don't have that specific knowledge of that space because they couldn't care less about that space. <laughs> so they don't know because it is a boring kind of space. So this way they will reach out because like, all right, these guys know it. We don't know it. Let, let them do the heavy lifting here. Yeah. There are so many reasons they may need external support and none of them are really negative. I think that it's just like, yeah, we've gotten against this like internal versus external and the executives blaming their internal team and, or us or someone's to blame. And I think we need to return to a place where it's, or go to a new place. That's just very positive and sort of like, we're all in it to win. We all want to fill this role. We all want you to hire better. We all want a candidate to have a good experience. We all have that shared goal. We all have a part to play together. Um, None of us, well, certainly you and I don't have an ego in it. Like, it's like, I'm happy to have the internal recruiter look good and vice versa. Like, this isn't about who's winning. We're all in it. So the team analogy is so perfect. Exactly. We're all on the same team. All right. How about this, this concept, my, my framework of what I see going on for the last couple of years is here in the U S is that we've all lost our minds. We're like, everyone is out of control. Everyone is angry. Everyone is bitter. Uh, Obviously not everyone, but you know, I'm generalizing. Everyone's angry. Everyone's stressed. Everyone's pressured. You know, there's, you know, high inflation interest rates are high on mortgages. So if you want to start a family, get a house. So it like, so hard to afford a house, you know, you, people are maxing out their credit cards, they're dipping into their 401k, just to get through, you know, the day and do whatever they want to do. And so we have this very angsty, angry, you know, kind of, you know, world we're in. And, yeah. and, it, and it, it's not just on social media, it's in real life. And then also now it's in these companies, where people are just like walking around, bitter, angry, frustrated, nervous, especially when you see layoffs after layoffs after layoffs. How can you not be all freaked out all the time? So I think everyone's just like tense. Does that make sense for my crazy? Like, it's just like- You're totally right. And actually I was just thinking the other day, somebody said to me, you know, I think we're all in a state of collective fatigue. Hell yeah. And I thought, oh are, you know? absolutely fatigue exhaustion burnout yes. anger frustration yes. worry afraid of the future for yourself so, like, for your it kids makes so much sense because you have yeah. executives saying we want more strategic talent we want all the people i'm sure in your space and in my space we want to hire thoughtful strategic creative mm-hmm. innovative people who come with new ideas and bring them to fruition and and yet you talk to everyone, they're like, I don't have it in me to build anything. <laughs> I'm just so tired. Yes, yes, so, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's and it's all over. So then if you put it together, that's what ends up happening too. So if let's say, you know, you're interviewing and your interviewer comes across abrupt or a little jerky, because who knows what they're going through? Maybe their spouse just lost their job. You know, maybe their kid who graduated college can't find a job. You know what I mean? So it's like- totally. It's, it's that stress. Well, and I think that reminder for candidates, if anyone watching this is currently job seeking, like to actually remember to have empathy for mm-hmm. your interviewers is very important because Jack's making an exceptional point that 
you know, that we do not know what that person's dealing yeah. with on their other end. To your point, I mean, interest rates are almost 8% on a new house. Grocery bills are insane. Gas is insane. Wherever you live, it's crazy. So yeah. And you could be dealing with somebody who's half their team was just laid off and now they're recruiting 40 open roles. And they're yes, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you expand on Cause that's what's happening. And I think that's another big issue that people aren't aware of. Can you talk about that? That's like for yeah. HR, for DEI, for recruiting, yes. these areas were, are, are the first ones that were crushed. Of course. Look, math is not my number one subject, but <laughs> I just gave you guys some earlier basic math of like the amount of requisitions you have open times the amount of candidates <laughs> per requisition can get insane. So in a great market where an executive has a well-staffed internal recruiting function and a budget for external support, so everything's going smoothly, candidates are getting these great experiences because the internal recruiter is calm and steady and doing everything really well and they're getting external help when they need it and, and they can talk to those 25 candidates a week, no problem. Then you have, now we've seen in the last nine months, here we are in September of 23. So starting in January, we've seen a lot of layoffs specifically in HR and TA because still many executives see that as a non-revenue generating function and blah, 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 don't see the value. Topic for another day. But those teams might've gone from 20 internal recruiters to five or five internal recruiters to two. And so now you have those two remaining people with all of the requisitions their colleagues would have handled. And they're massively overwhelmed. And because as we were saying earlier, they've never been trained on how to be confident, how to push back, how to educate execs. They're not going to their CEO to say, this is unsustainable. They're just kind of suffering and taking mm. it. So it's trickling to candidates. It's just like, and it's, and we're watching it. And I think you and I are like waving the flag now to right. say, CEOs, hello. <laughs> do something. Yeah, it, it makes sense because, you know, first thing they do when things are bad, cut recruiters, cut HR, cut DEI, and those kind of stuff. And then with less people working, you have more, as Laura was saying, more stuff to do. And after a while, how much can you do it before you just burn out? And then candidates notice it, and then it just doesn't go well. And it's just this downward spiral. One of the you know, you know, I've been coaching internal recruiters as another service offering of mine. And one of the main things I've noticed, whether a recruiter has a year experience, 20 years experience, the hardest thing for them to do collectively is to go to somebody at the C-suite and to tell them what isn't working. Like they'll say to me, I'm terrified to go tell our CFO, we need to hire three more people on my team. And I always say to them, okay, you are doing that CFO a disservice because he or she wants and needs to know that information. I have never met, and I'm sure you haven't either, I've never met a CEO who doesn't want to know what's going wrong. They want to know. They are actually embarrassed and annoyed when they find out later how bad something was. So this is what I'm trying to help internal teams with is like, it is your job, frankly, to go to that executive and say it and show the data and show the facts. Like, and I think, I don't know if it's something you and I just learned externally or we're just more confident business people. To me, that's like a no brainer. You have to do that, but it's such a skill that hasn't been honed in-house. It's upsetting to me because I think there are a lot of companies who'd be happy to 
find solutions. They just really weren't aware even of the ramifications of said layoffs. Like, and maybe didn't talk to their leaders before they did the layoffs. Like that would have been helpful too. talk to certain teams. And look, I know a lot of recruiting leaders who were able to not go through layoffs because they went to their C-suite and said, do not lay off on my team. These will be the ramifications that affect the entire company. And they kind of protected a couple of jobs that way. So it's like a big deal to have those conversations and back to your point, but you have to mm -hmm. do it with words and in a conversation, not on an email. Yeah, because because you have those conversations and you're right. They want to know what's happening and correct it because this doesn't do any good for them if everyone's miserable and unhappy exactly. and you're not getting that top talent. So it's their best interest. Yeah, and if the CEO really understands like, oh, wait a minute, we have such an understaffed internal recruiting team. They're not giving candidates a good experience. Those candidates are telling all their friends how shitty we are. Then, mm -hmm. then we're literally negatively impacting our employer brand. It's that strong of an impact. Of course, they need to know that. And I think they do make change when they kind of conceptualize it. But unfortunately, and I don't know why, many executives don't look at it that way. They don't see the trickle. Strange but thing. There's something else that I've noticed a big change. I, I, I don't know if you see this as well. It used to be where you would interview maybe the HR person, the hiring manager, maybe one or two other people. Now it's hiring by consensus. Yeah. So you need to have no exaggeration. Maybe you're meeting with 10 people over six months. And when that happens, think about your own personal life. How hard it is to get, let's say, your family to agree on a movie to watch right. you know, or where to go out to eat. It's hard. Right. So then imagine 10 people where maybe half of them have really no connection to the interview right. process, but they just drag them in, have to render their decision. And that's why it, it goes on forever because you can't get ever, you can't get all these 10 people agreeing. Yeah. I don't know how this ties into everything we've been saying, but I often attribute that to lack of trust, like self-trust. Yes. So I often say to executives, like you not hiring efficiently and needing a hundred opinions shows me you don't trust yourself. You don't trust the process. Yes. You don't trust the data. You're not trusting your own ability to make a decision efficiently. And that's the red flag. And frankly, it's a red flag for most of the senior candidates we're placing who are like, why isn't this person just making a choice? You can imagine when you work there how laborious it is to get anything done. That's not appealing to people. So that comes down to a lot of executives needing training on how to hire and, and understanding that you actually have to make decisions. I once had a colleague who used to say to her hiring managers, and I loved this, she would say, you know, we can keep this role open indefinitely. We actually can always interview for it. So you can decide, do you want to just keep this role open forever? Or do you want to meet four people and choose one? And like just framing it that way sometimes mm -hmm. helped them realize like, oh, right. I mean, I guess literally you could keep interviewing yeah. forever. Why? Why would you want to? Don't, wouldn't you rather have somebody in play? I think you're so right. It's because either A, they're not training you know, the manager to know really how to interview people and what to look for and how to make it work. Or B, it's just it's just a mess, and and they don't care, and they, they just don't understand look that it's a mess. That's what yeah. it is. 
Because it goes back to our point of CEOs want to know, need to know, or grateful to know. Like, I'm sure you and I both have talked to many C-suite executives about this, and they're grateful to get that feedback. Like, I'll say, look, I know in the past you've had 10 people meet for this role. It's not going to work in this market. Let's do two. Let's do these three people. And they're like, okay, thank you. That makes so much sense. Like, they're looking for our expertise. They want to know how to do it better. So it doesn't, it's to no one's advantage to stay quiet and just complain to each other like, oh my God, that hiring manager was so picky. Just tell them it doesn't work like that. You're the expert, you know? This is the part of recruiting that's so empowering is like an internal recruiter should remember it and we should remember it on the outside. Like we're the ones who know how to hire well and we should be teaching it. Yeah, if if you have, an interview process where you have to meet six, 10 people over six months. Think about the cost factor, the opportunity costs too. Like instead of doing your actual job now, you're involved with this whole interview phase and it's taking time away from your work and for 10 other people are taking time away. So it's just completely ridiculous. It's it's just, it's not, it's not productive. Whereas if, if, they were trained, and this is, I think, another, I, I haven't noticed, and maybe it exists, but I haven't noticed, where they actually train, let's say, hiring managers to know what to look for, what to do, and to be good at doing the interview process and be confident. Because then if you're confident, you don't need it to go on forever. You can Correct. be confident, like, hey, I trust that Laura is good for the job, and well, here's why, and we're going to make her the offer. Boom. Exactly. That's it. You know? We've lost that. And I think your point of technology is good. I think we've overcomplicated things. I think people are overthinking it. I think we've thrown the word strategy around so much that they feel like they have to do this bigger, better Mm -hmm. thing. And it's like, sometimes it's back to the basics. You can still be using data and logic and equity and all of those pieces, but you could do it quickly, you know? So so I think what we're coming across is that now, I know people who are listening go, boy, you're just having a bitch fest, Jack. You're a kind of complainer. <laughs> but no. I think I think the takeaway is this, is that hearing what we're talking about, giving the, like, the insider perspective, hopefully this helps people because now you realize, oh, it's not me, right? Sure. right? It's not, yes. this is this, this is like the systemic problem. It's so not it's complaining not, or right? Light, we're showing them what's going on inside. Yeah, they're feeling lonely on the outside. Oh my gosh, I'm a job seeker. It's so hard. Why isn't a recruiter getting back to me? Why aren't they, you know, because they might have 30 requisitions on their plate. Yeah. They have 150 candidates to call this week and they're just not going to do it because they also have a family and they also have a life outside of work and they're exhausted. So you're right. It's not complaining. It's literally educating. And I think this is so powerful because nobody's really talking about what companies can do to hire better. And if even one executive watches this and says, oh my goodness, we need to Mm. improve. We've made a massive difference. So that makes me feel good. And I think it's going to happen because I think, you know, enough people will, and it's not easy for you and I to say this because, you know, you know, I could easily get a lot of hates, you know, because people may misinterpret what I'm trying to say by just giving my thought process, what I'm saying and saying, wow, you're a jerk. Why? And, but by hearing this and enough people will stand up and talk and advocate for themselves, it'll change and it'll make it better because then it'll go upstream and they'll realize, I didn't know for the leadership that this was really happening. Let's, 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 
let's make a change. And, and then for job seekers, it'll be, their lives will be so much better. Oh, yeah. And, and I appreciate your vulnerability of saying, gosh, what if, what if we're seen as a jerk for shedding light? <laughs> this is exactly what internal recruiters come back to me with when they have to go push back to their executives. They always say to me, Laura, what if they think I'm a jerk that I have to tell mm-hmm. them what they did wrong? And I'm like, they won't. They will be so grateful that you highlighted an area of which they could improve. And it just takes, yeah, it just takes that reminder. We're not showing anybody something that's like, mean we're showing people areas they can improve upon and that's like that's such a gift because we know we can see what they're doing wrong and yeah I think candidates can remember it's not them and I think employers can remember gosh hiring is a skill and maybe we should actually work on how to do it better now this is not a fair question for me to ask because you don't have a crystal ball but what do you think moving forward you know going towards the end of the year going because it's so crazy we're like you know, three months till like the holidays, two and a half months, right? Till like Thanksgiving and the holidays. From there to the 2024, which is, wow, weird to say, what do you think? Do you, do you think we'll still be in this kind of place where you think things will be better or worse? Do you have any, any sense? I mean, I'm hoping that 24 is going to be a booming year. I remember during 2020, all the economists said, by 24, it'll be the roaring 20s. It'll be everything back to normal and booming and exciting. And I've always kind of held that as the year that just everything is good. So I'm hopeful about that. I, you know, I think that we normally see improvements quarter to quarter in recruiting. Like, okay, Q1, there were a lot of layoffs. Q2 will be a big difference. This year was kind of a steady, just meh, mediocre right. year for most people. So my expectation is probably Q4 might be a slight increase improvement, but not something booming. And then maybe with a new budget for 24, executives kind of have that blank canvas where they could say, okay, let's hire, let's build a sales team, let's go, let's make money again. You know, I think that people are really ready for that. That's good. I I think that that's gonna make a lot of people happy because they want to see it turn around and that'd be very positive. Any, any, any questions that I didn't ask, Laura, that you'd like to share with the audience? I just, well, we'll talk about another day. You were kind of curious how like the HR business partner versus internal recruiting hmm. dynamic is in companies. And it's another kind of tricky topic because I think sometimes there's tension there um, that again, could just be improved with communication, but we can always come back to that another time. I, I think what I want to say here is that, you know, You've made a good point, Jack, that we've been bold and brave and honest in this chat, which is who we are. And so I'm mm-hmm. totally proud of that. But I think people will know that we're also positive and optimistic and generous in spirit. So everything we're saying is not a critique, but rather guidance and education. And I and I and that I'm very proud of. And I hope people know that our intention is not just to say like, shame <laughs> on you, but actually... I see a few things you can fix and I'd love for you to fix it. You, you, you put that in the great way. That's perfect. That's a perfect way of, of framing it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise we would have done it. If we didn't care, we would have, you know, we take really the time out. To zero, right? We really care. Yeah. And I think like there's that, you know, the New York subway system says, if, if you see something, say something. I think we're actually <laughs> noticing stuff we want to talk about. It's really, we're seeing exactly. the, we're seeing the cracks. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time. Yeah. You know, from your business. And this is great for people who want to find you, you know, where, where can they track you down? 
Yeah, my website is eastsidestaffing.com. It has the links to all my social media, but I'm active mostly on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I know Jack and I still like Twitter, even though people are kind of trickling yeah. off of it. Um, but yeah, find me there, comment, and I'll, and you know we'll both kind of keep seeing the comments coming through this feed. I'm happy to keep the conversation going. And also, just so people understand, so you do recruiting. Maybe you could walk and you do. Maybe you could share a little bit yeah. of the services you offer. Exactly. My main, my main offering, my the thing I'm known for is the recruitment of HR professionals. And I'm also now all the things we've talked about, kind of helping companies train and develop their internal recruiters. And also whether it's consulting or coaching or training, helping hiring managers and interviewers improve. So just kind of case by case, whatever the need is internally, I my mission is to really help companies learn how to hire better. I think it's really important. That's fantastic. So definitely check out Laura's site. She, as you can tell, she's brilliant. She's smart. She's motivated, experienced. So a wealth of information. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for a job or you're trying to advance in your career or you just have questions, you know, hit her up, you know, and she'd be glad to help. So thank you so much for coming on the show. This is great. I think, I think to end it and to wrap it up, as you pointed out so eloquently, I mean, by sharing what's going on, I think that helps people understand it better. And by understanding it better, they could feel better about themselves to know, oh, okay, it's not me. You know, I thought it was, it's not, this is just how it is. It's unfortunate, but now I know I'm going to have to maybe change the game around to deal with these kind of obstacles. Yeah. And I feel a little better about it because now I feel like, all right, I understand how it's playing out and I understand what I'm going to have to do to make this work. So, yeah. so I think this is for a lot of people benefit from your, your advice. It's a little bit behind uh, the curtain of yes. us. Right? It's like, I <laughs> yes. want to know what's really going on back here. Yes. 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 Unfiltered, give it behind. Yeah, exactly. So thanks so much. Yeah. And, thank uh, I really you, appreciate Jeff. it. Have a great Thanks. day. Take care. Bye-bye. Right,